Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First off, a warm welcome to Fee K and Anastasia. I really hope that I pronounced each of your names correctly, and my apologies if I didn't. Sometimes it's hard to know pronunciations, and I know that from having my own name spelled M-A-M-I-E, I get all kinds of versions. So regardless, welcome to the Modern Manager community. I am really excited that you have joined, and I look forward to supporting you on your Rockstar Manager journeys. Now, what is so great about the fact that you joined right now is that you picked a fantastic time because you joined during the Buy One, Give One membership sale. This sale is running through December 31st, 2020. And if you sign up for a membership right now, you get to give one month of membership at the same level to the person of your choosing. Membership levels include episode guides, our Slack community, guest bonuses, group coaching, and even one-on-one coaching. Head on over to themodernmanager.com join to learn more. Now, today's guest is Mark S. Young. Mark is passionate about strengthening the experience and opportunities for the professionals who help make thriving workplaces, both in the Jewish community and beyond. For 20 years, Mark has held leadership roles in human resources, education, and leadership development for Jewish organizations and other nonprofits. Mark's first book, Bless Our Workforce, builds off his previous writing and presentations on how to best invest in Jewish community professional talent, including his $54,000 strategy series on e-Jewish philanthropy and his 2016 Eli talk, Matovu. Mark and I talk about what he's learned over these past 20 years and in the process of writing his book. We talk about how to invest in and support the talented staff on your team. We touch on a number of different blessings, as he calls them. And even though Mark approaches this from a Jewish community or faith perspective, what he's learned and what he suggests applies to anyone in any work context. Now, here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart Mark, I am so excited to have you today. I think you win the award for the guest that I have known the longest. So, All right. Yeah, I know. We've, we've became friends in high school, so it's really lovely to, uh, to have you here. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be on The Modern Manager. I'm very excited. I'm an avid listener, and I'm so glad to be a part of the podcast, too. Thanks, Mamie. Yay. All right. Let's jump in and start with your book called Bless Our Workforce. Can you start by just giving us a little bit of a background of how this book came to be? You got it. There's a a long story, so I'm going to give you the brief version. And I think it's best to start maybe 2012, 2013. I had already been in the nonprofit space for about 10 years, um, both in human resources and in programming. And at the time, was also teaching people how to be educators uh, and managers and leaders particularly in the Jewish nonprofit sector, but not exclusively. And there was a lot of discussion about how can we solve the problems of the nonprofit sector or the Jewish nonprofit sector specifically. And and I kind of felt like a lone bird, but I was standing up and said, I think we just need to pay people more. Or I think we just need to focus more on how our staff are being managed and how our staff are being developed and how we're supporting them and compensating them. So I wrote an article for uh, the Journal of Jewish Communal Service at the time and with for E-Jewish Philanthropy called the $54,000 strategy. We just need to pay our professionals really well. Uh, it felt countercultural and uh, got a lot of feedback, both positive and not all positive. But I started to find a voice in the importance of focusing on how we 
treat our staff in such a way that actually creates a better workforce, but not only workforce, but a whole community and meeting our missions overall. That led to an Eli talk, which is kind of the Jewish version of a TED talk, which I called Bless Our Workforce. And I looked not only to leading practices in you know, secular management theory, but also into biblical tradition, both Jewish and also other religions, but focusing on the Jewish religion and the idea of if we you know, bless our staff in the way that we're trying to always make our patrons or are the people that are our end users happy, then we're actually going to be better off. So that was uh, an Eli talk. And then later on in my work at the Jewish Theological Seminary, I had some additional time to play with. You know, I, I, I asked my dean at the time, can I have like 20% time like they do in Google so I can do a special project? He said, sure. Why? And I was like, I want to write a book and I want to interview about 12 people in the field and ask what motivates them and what inspires them and what demotivates them so I can really get a sense of not just what the big surveys are saying when we interview thousands of people about you know, how they're treated in the workplace, but also what the individual is saying and focusing on the importance of the individual narrative that can help us you know, open up a world of ideas to how we best manage and lead our staff. So I interviewed about 12 people in 2017. I got some support from a fellowship that I was in. And you know, a few years later, I have this book. Wow, that has been quite the journey to get you to where you are now. Yes, I never thought I would write a book, and it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done, in part because I like being around people and fostering relationships is a motivator for me. It's something that I write about in the book, and the book was partly working in relationships with other people that I interviewed or other partners that I had, but it's also a very solitary process, and I've had to find the time and the focus and the drive to do that solitary work. It's very much a marathon. I like to say marathons because I like to run marathons, um, but it's not a sprint. It's something that takes a long time to do it and do it well. And at the end of the day, you you put it out there and you have the world uh, accept it for what it is. So let's dive into some of the learnings or the blessings, as you call them, because I read some of it. I will admit I haven't quite gotten through all of it yet, but I did read a bunch of it. And uh, it was also really fun to see the way that you included the interviews because a lot of the people... I know from my work in the Jewish community. So that was just a nice little bonus. But I want to jump into a couple of these because there were a few that caught my eye. So Mm -hmm. I want to start with this one that is to build a job around your talent. So can you tell us about this one? Yes. And for that, I interviewed my good friend, Allison Baisley, who at the time was working at a synagogue as an educator, but has often had to make decisions in her career that was based on whether she can do the job or not. And the reason why she stayed in the field ultimately was because she wanted to go to graduate school. And the place where she was working at at the time said, okay, we're going to build the job around you and what you need in order for you to stay here and for you to then be hopefully successful for us and as successful in your career. That uh, decision by her manager at the time, which has found itself in other places in her career, has allowed her to be a thriving professional in our field, both in Jewish nonprofit and just in education and social work in general. And I was like, well, that's interesting. If we, instead of posting a job description and saying, okay, who's going to fit what we need? If we flip that equation and say, How do we bring the best talented people into our organizations and fit a job around what their interests and needs are, both, you know, logistically flexibility and also what their talents and interests are, they're going to thrive. And Allison was a prime example of that. Um, I also mentioned in that chapter or blessing, I call each chapter a blessing, of an experience that I had while working at Jewish summer camp. And my director at the time 
we had an opportunity to build more, pool, you know, a pool and uh, tennis court. She had this opportunity to expand camp, but she built a staff lounge first, and she got a lot of heat for that from her board and and from the people that were providing this money. And she taught me the lesson that I talk about a lot in this book that she used the camp version of it. Happy staff, happy camper, happy camp. If we focus on how our staff are feeling and doing and believing in this work, and if we create a job that allows them to feel valued and feel like their needs are being met, in some respects, putting their needs before the end user's needs, we're actually going to have a better operation and a more successful endeavor as a result. And Allison was another exemplifier of that in that book. So I think that the mode of that blessing is to really understand who our staff are and how we can address their needs and interests and put them first, because that'll actually put the organization first. Instead of trying to create a job and then just putting a person into that, why don't we flip the equation? That not only you know, creates a more motivated and, and blessed workforce, but I think it allows us to reach our end user better as well, because then our end users are interfacing with these individuals who are happier and more productive and more creative. So I love this one because exactly what you said, which is we start with this, like, what are our business needs or what is the job we need to get done? And then we hire someone into it and they're never a perfect fit, right? Like we don't work that way. And there always seems to kind of be like a few options, which is you just live with a lack of fit. You fire that person and find somebody who you think will be a better fit. Or what you're proposing is you actually build a job around them, which you know, might take you in a direction that you're, you weren't planning to go in or might kind of expand beyond the scope of what you originally thought. I'm imagining that there are people listening who are like, my company would never go for that. Like my team would never, like I would never be able to do that. Like how do I not get the things done? Do you have any advice or any learnings for how managers can kind of approach each of their current existing team members and think about how do we shape their current role into something that really is going to allow them to thrive? And then what do we do with the things that Nobody wants to do. Well, look, if you treat people with kindness and respect and actually validate what they care about and what their needs are, I have found that people will still be more than happy to do the jobs that may not be as exciting and as motivating as other parts of their jobs. So I'm not saying that there are not parts of a job that you know people don't want to do and that they don't have to do that. However, I am saying that if not only if we validate where people are at and what people want, but show them that what they care about really matters. And you know, another blessing I have is make it all about them. They will be thrilled and happy to do whatever they need to be able to do to support the organization because you're meeting them first, right? Let's go back to the camp example. Staff at camp, you're going to build them a staff lounge so they're able to get their needs met. But then you can still hold them accountable to say, we still have a mission and a business to run and we need X, Y, and Z done. I need you to help me with that. I need you to be a partner with me in that process. But know that I'm really focusing on you first because if I focus on you first, then the end user will be better service. So I think a manager can simply have a conversation with their team and say, you know, I really want to get a sense from each of you what your needs and interests are, how they're being currently met in your job, and how we might be creative to understand how else we can meet those needs. And in partnership with you, I also know that I can call upon you to do, to do certain things to make sure the business continues to run. And I actually think that touches on a lot of the blessings in the book. Folks, there's another blessing uh, that I call feed their creative drive. Folks that are incredibly creative and people can be creative in so many different ways that are, feel valued when they get to do good work that speaks to their skills and interests and creative skill sets. If they are allowed to thrive in that way, then 
certainly a lot of these individuals will be very happy to do other work too because they know that their needs are being met and they know they're part of a larger organism. So hopefully that is a, a bit of a roadmap that will allow managers to be able to apply some of these blessings in their work, but it really all starts with having those individual conversations to really d- deeply get to know who you're working with because then you'll respect and admire all the things that they're able and capable of doing. Yeah, I know it's interesting when you think about kind of the two sides as you're describing, right? One is like, what do they need to feel good, to feel connected, to be able to do their best work, which might be things like flexibility or kind of additional support or just feeling appreciated, right? And then the other side is what is the work that they're doing that really lights them up and motivates them and unleashes their kind of full energy for the work. And having those conversations to, un- to understand makes so much sense. And I wonder now that we're kind of living in this COVID world, how that kind of works differently. I don't know if you have thoughts about how to have these conversations when we're at a distance and we're, you know, jobs are kind of like all over the place right now. I think that's a great question. COVID is something that I touch a little bit on the book as I've done my revisions. A lot of this obviously was written before. I think it again starts with a conversation and I think it starts with partnership. Let's not make assumptions on what may or may not work for people in COVID because we don't know. I have to be very clear and transparent with, you know, my current supervisor, who is probably the best supervisor that I've ever had, but she doesn't have young kids at home. You know, her kids are in college and have, are in graduate school and have other needs. I have to make sure that I express that, you know, my kids are seven and four and they're in homeschooling or at weird hours and, you know, our jobs are different. So I think to making sure that managers continually to have open and transparent and clear communication and that they are on the side of their employee is a huge way to start because there is so much uncertainty. You know, there's another chapter that I wrote about another blessing called Cut the BS. Uh, And a lot of that is about inefficiencies. And a lot of that is about creating systems in an organization with not necessarily having the collaborative conversations with employees to make sure if those systems work. So as you're creating new systems or continuing to reevaluate your systems in this COVID world of partial or full remote work, making sure you're having the conversations with staff to make sure that it works for them and make sure that they have staff input too. And are there ways that they can actually have leadership in developing systems that work with their peers, I think is also important. You know, there's there's also another chapter that um, I'm looking at differently now. Uh, How do you bring your whole integrated self to work? How do you bring part of your home life into your work life so it's better integrated with your whole? And, you know, and part of that is having staff celebrations online and and bringing your kids involved and allowing your home as, as you feel comfortable doing so to be shared with your team so you feel that you are providing proper attention to home and proper attention to your work and that you're in partnership with your leadership so they can figure out how it's going on. It's, it's a tough time right now, but I think the more that we can do it together in, sh- in, in a shared collaborative way, I think the better off we are. And I think we'll all be blessed as more blessed as a result. Yeah, completely. I mean, we can't, we can't not care about our people just because we don't see them. Right? Like it's, it's, you cannot go through the, like out of sight, out of mind. And I, I am definitely finding that this is a time to revisit how we're working. And I think a lot of people are, right? We need new processes, new systems, new ways to connect. So this kind of makes sense to be a new time to look at, you know, how are we addressing the needs of our our team members? How are we building relationships with them? How are we helping them flourish? And I love like all these different blessings, like there's threads that go between them and kind of connect them. So, you know, if you were going to suggest for people to start somewhere, where do you start? 
You start with having the conversation with each of your staff members and asking them a series of questions, which is in the book. It's in the appendix of it. I'll share with you the 10 questions that I shared each of the 13 people that I interviewed. Um, and you can identify the ones that make sense given the relationship that you have with your staff member and ask them questions about, tell me about your journey. Tell me about what motivates you. Tell me about what demotivates you. How do you feel about your relationship to your work and your compensation? Now, you may or may not be able to raise or, you know, their compensation, and that's a sticky time these days, but at least you have that information, that data. I think the biggest, one of the most important takeaways from Bless Our Workforce for me is that you're obtaining important data about the people that you're accountable towards or that may be accountable to you so you can best be able to work together. So sit down, have a virtual coffee with each of your staff members or with your peers, ask them some of these questions and then figure out what's their secret idea, what's their secret blessing. If you do have the opportunity to review my book, what amongst the, you know, the blessings that I present resonate in this person or maybe what's unique about them and then build off from there. If you know this person is a creative person and you didn't know that before, then you can start making changes in how you manage them. If you know that this person really loves the work that they do, but they just never felt validated in their work, then you know that you can create opportunities for them to get more recognized. If you notice that this person is a real entrepreneur that wants to create something out of nothing, then maybe there are projects that you're not giving them. Maybe they're too task-oriented and not project-oriented and say, hey, we have a vision for something, go build it. And then just let them build it because they're thriving off of their internal motivations. Everyone's a little different. Um, but I, I have a sense, and I think there are also studies out there too, that show that if people feel like they're heard and they're understood, then they'll automatically be more motivated and excited to get the job done. And perhaps even more so during a time of so much uncertainty, if they're being heard uh, and understood, then that make that also help, help them be resilient and strong as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree that that's a huge piece of this is like just people being seen, especially right now, and feeling like they matter and they're connected and they're being listened to. And it's, it's not always easy. And I, like, I know that even these conversations, right? It sounds so simple, like just have a conversation with someone and, and figure out what makes them tick. And even that process can be uncomfortable for some managers. I, mean, I know that there are some managers who, who are probably listening and thinking like, hmm, if I did that, I feel like my, my people would be like, what happened to our manager? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. But, you know, some of these conversations I feel like can get kind of personal. And especially right now when we're feeling disconnected, it seems like it could, could be more awkward, but also more necessary. Yeah. Look, I think you have to play to your strengths. So if you're a manager and you're not the most extroverted person and you, these conversations are not something that you're really gravitating for, what are you comfortable? Obviously, you're engaging and having a conversation with your employees in some way. Where are your strengths? Where do you feel that you're most comfortable talking to people? And maybe start there and also be okay with a little discomfort and maybe just talk start with one question. If you don't want to have an individual conversation, maybe it's in a small group and say, hey, you know, we didn't really have a sense of each of your career journeys and what inspired you along the way to have you come here. Or it could be something simple as who was a mentor or a real leader for you that inspired you or that taught you something very significant in your life. And you can start with sharing yourself and that might open other people up. And then you can just listen. It's in uh, one of the blessings that I call amplifying what we're doing well or amplifying our strengths. In many of the people that I spoke to, they remained in the field of nonprofit or in this case, Jewish nonprofit, because they had mentors along the way, not always their supervisor, 
mentors along the way that inspired them, that cared about them, that gave them good guidance. And that's something that we all have the opportunity to do and to give. And we can start just by sharing our own experiences. I think we just need to share more. And I, I, I'm not always an extrovert too, but find the places where we can feel comfortable just to, just to open the door. It's a process that can take time, but we won't go anywhere if we don't start it. So I encourage everyone listening to at least start having these conversations in a way that you feel most comfortable having them. Yeah. And I love this idea of doing it as a team and saying, let's use this as an opportunity for us all to get to know each other better and to build relationships. And this question of like, how did you end up here? Right? What's your, what's your journey that brought you to this organization, to this role? I bet that's fascinating and would be so good for everybody on the team to hear and understand, not just you as the manager. So what a beautiful way to connect with people at a distance and not have it feel like we're doing team building. Well, you know, I agree with that wholeheartedly, Mamie, and it's making me think of, you know, another person I spoke with, Rabbi Laura Baum, who was the inspiration for uh, Empower Them to See the Big Picture. Oftentimes, we have people in jobs that are focused on their job or their department and are not always asked, even though they may have great ideas and might be interested in how is this affecting the entire company or organization, or how could they be invited to give input or just take a look at what the big issues are for the entire organization. And I found another of these blessings, these motivational tools, is just inviting people into that conversation. If you're getting to know people through a team and then say, hey, you know, this is a big question the leadership has right now. We're bringing it to you, you know, bring it to folks that are doing any number of jobs in your organizations. They are having a different, unique and important perspective. They may have a great idea that may positively impact the entire organization. And in doing that, you're not only helping the organization, you're promoting collaboration, you're allowing them to be part of the big picture, you're allowing them maybe to change their job to make it more fit their needs and your needs. You're invoking a lot of these other blessings that will only have, I think, a positive domino effect on your organization. That, that's so insightful, right? Like, I cannot tell you how many managers or how many organizations feel like they have to solve the problems, like in their own silo. And when we open it up, and we invite other people into those conversations, right, we don't have to accept every idea that comes up. But just allowing people in creates so much opportunity. So just kudos to that idea, too. I love it. No, I agree with you completely. And I've seen it happen, you know, in my current organization at uh, JCC Association, we've recently organized into different collaborative work teams. So I have my one department, it's called J Response, but I'm actually on four other collaborative work teams um, that I'm interested in that is expanding my skill set and comfort zone in a good way and allows me to connect with so many different of my colleagues and be on different projects. That really excites me. It's invoking a lot of the blessings that I write about and to be honest, a lot of the blessings that I wrote about, I was excited to write about because they motivate me too, right? This is, there's a little bit of self-story, my own background and journey in this book. And I think that's important to have people in different pods and in different areas. Not everyone is going to be motivated by the same blessings. And if that person is really excited to work on their own, doing their one project, and that benefits them and that benefits the organization, then that's great too. The point is to really be focusing on at people's individual's journey and needs and interest, and then managing with that data in mind. Yeah, that's such a good reminder that not everybody is going to love the opportunity to jump in onto a new, new team or new project. And also that, right, this is also about understanding ourselves, right? I'm, I'm glad that you said that this was, you know, a self-reflective process for you to understand your own motivations as well, because, you know, we, unless we're the senior most person, and even, I guess, even if we are, right, we still have to understand 
what excites us and how to lean into our strengths and how to create a job that works for us. Those things matter too. It's not just about our team. Mimi, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that there's a lot of different systems within an organization. If you think about like, you know, every person has, you know, nine different systems or what have you. There's a lot of different systems in an organization. I think you have to pay attention to the system, but the system is also part of individuals. And each individual has a story, has a way that their clock ticks. And if you put that into account, then you're going to be so much better off. And I want to just, you know, say a cautionary note. A lot of folks might feel like if I'm focusing so much on the individual or I'm focusing so much on investing in their staff, whether it's in this bless our workforce way or professional development, that's a lot more money that we have to put in time or money and that might reduce the pie for other things. I actually write about the opposite of that and being inspired by Dr. Zenyap Tan of uh, the good job strategy at MIT, that if we put more time and money and investment in our staff, it actually enlarges our pie. Even during these times of COVID, if we invest more in the people that are doing this work and they know that and they see that and they value it, we will actually, you know, be more profitable, be more productive, be happier, be more healthy as an organization or as a result. We have to look beyond the week, the six months, even the year. If we can take that long road, it is totally worth the investment. And we see many examples of that in the field that I write about and, you know, would happily talk about as well. But I, I, I just want to really drive the point home to managers that investing time in the staff is money well spent and time well spent. Beautifully said. And I think this is the perfect place for us to transition. So Mark, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so special? So I'm going to give two very quick examples. The first is my first manager uh, and my first full-time job at the 92nd Street Y in New York City. Uh, His name is Anthony Junta. And, you know, he gave me a chance, but he was also a great manager because he taught me the value of Disneyland. I don't even know if I wrote about this in the book, but I definitely have written about this in other articles, that when you come into the HR office, that we make sure that that person coming in, whether they're looking for a form or they're looking for a job or they have a question about their benefits, that we make sure that they feel like they're the most important person in the room and that it's Disneyland to them and it's happy for them and it's productive for them and it's important that they're really, really important. That was a managerial lesson that I have taken for the last two decades and has inspired me in all of my work and certainly in this work here. So I want to give a special props to to Anthony. And I also want to mention my current boss, Sue Gelsey. And I'm not just saying that because I currently work for her. She's the chief program officer at JCC Association. She is by far and away, I've been the best boss that I've ever had. And I think it's because, especially at this stage of my career, where I'm also in a mid to senior management position, that she sees me as a true partner. She knows that she can give me straight talk feedback, but she also encourages me into doing the things that I want to do. And she cares about my journey. She fulfills a lot of these blessings that I write about. And, you know, she's authentic and clear, and she doesn't treat me too lightly or too harshly. And we have a great relationship with Sue as well. So thank you, Sue. Wow. All right. And where can people learn more about your book and you and all you're up to? Uh, They can go to blessourworkforce.com. My book is available as a digital publication via Kindle Amazon Publishing um, and as a website where you can get a digest of every blessing um, and the goals and the uh, takeaways of the book overall. So blessourworkforce.com and my contact information is through the site. Thank you so much, Mark, for sharing what you've learned and all these blessings. And it was just really fun to talk with you. Thank you so much, Mamie. Real pleasure being on the show. I appreciate it. 
Mark has generously offered a 20-minute coaching session to the first 10 members of their modern manager who request one. If you would like to get one of these free one-on-one private coaching sessions with Mark, go to themodernmanager.com slash join and become a member. And if you join before December 31st, 2020, you also get to give one membership to the person of your choosing. So who in your life would benefit from and appreciate the gift of professional development? All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can get onto that list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.